Let's pray together. God, we love you and we, we thank you for how amazing you are, how great you are, how powerful you are, how much you love us, how you are with us and you're with the youth on their retreat and you're with people all around the world today that are worshiping you and are, are seeking to connect with you, are crying out to you, are asking for your help, are, uh, some are, are confessing things to you, some are seeking to be healed, some are seeking to be forgiven. And so throughout this whole world, as we, as we encircle the whole globe with praise for you, we thank you for your love for us and how you're both so far off and away and so different from us and yet also come so very close by your Holy Spirit that you are closer than we could ever imagine. And so as we seek to connect with you, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for all that you are and all that you're doing. Would you minister to us in this place and in this time in Jesus' name and in his power and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then let's pray that, uh, that church prayer that we taught us to pray or that uh, our church leaders have helped us to be able to know. Father, unleash the power of the Holy Spirit to bring spiritual breakthrough in my life, in our church family, and in our community. Fill us with humility and unity and passion. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. May the name of Jesus be held in high honor in all that we say and that we do. Amen. Amen. So last week we talked about being connected together. So if I were to come down here and I just found one or two people and I was really, really close to them, we were gathered in Jesus' name, like I was here with my in-laws and we're gathered in Jesus' name and we could pray together and we could just have an have amazing time together. Have some of you met with other people this week, like two by two or three by three or other groups? Anybody? Anybody? Yes? No? I'm not going to call you out. Like I, I truly won't embarrass you. I saw a couple of hands that go up like this. You know, just a little bit. Well, in the midst of all of this, as we're trying to, uh, to do what the Lord wants us to do, I'm trying to get this to work, and it is not working. There we go. Two or three are gathered in whose name? Jesus' name. Not Nathan's name, although I like to gather people together in my way. I like to have my way, right? But there's extra power. There's power in partnership when we're all together. We gather together in Jesus' name. He loves us. He's there for us. Does that then mean that we are wasting our time if we're praying by ourselves or we're reading our Bible by ourselves? I mean, if there's, if there's power in partnership, am I also to pray on my own? You know what I mean? Yeah, I appreciate that. The answer would be yes. I absolutely am supposed to also do that myself. Now, we prayed through the song, How Great Is Our God, Name Above All Names, Worthy of Our Praise. And if you think about creating the entire universe, that kind of God, to relate to that kind of God might be a little bit difficult. Now, I know sometimes we might think, well, but you can just talk to God at any time. And that's true, you can. You can, you can talk to God at any time. But at the same time, I want to make sure that we kind of release people from the condemnation that they may feel that when they pray, they're like, I'm not sure I really feel anything, or I'm not sure what God is saying. Or sometimes when I'm praying, my mind wanders and I start thinking about other things. If that's you, and you've thought, well, maybe I'm not a good person, I'm not a good Christian, then maybe let's, let's just kind of release that condemnation and understand that no, relating to that unknowable, unknown, 
um, unbelievable God is difficult at times. And we could make an analogy even with humans. You husbands and wives out there, do you always understand each other perfectly all the time? I mean, I do. I was just trying to see if you were as good as I was. Right? No, of course not. Like, this person is in your house or your apartment all the time. You talk about things. You know each other. You've pledged your lives entirely to each other. And yet, we can be very mysterious beings that are hard to understand or that you may say something and the other person's like, oh, I, I had no idea that's what you meant. How about relating to children or children's to parents? And I think about that. You know, when, when I was a kid, you know, my parents sometimes didn't understand what I was saying and sometimes I didn't understand them, right? And you think about that. If you're relating to your kids, those kids, like in my case, I have three boys. I don't always understand what they're saying. They don't always understand me. And they share 50% of my genetic makeup. Like you think about that, like I ought to really understand them. Or so Jennifer tells me. I think they're mine. And you're like, oh, I've seen your boys. They all look alike and they all look like you, dude. You are safe. You're good, right? So in the midst of all that then, as we think about being Methodist Christians, and I'm not trying to get you to be a denominational thing or something like that. The early Methodists were like, look, we're just basic Christians that are trying to have a method and intentionality to knowing God. I want to kind of put out there for you that when you pray or you read the Bible trying to understand God, it may be difficult and that's okay. It may take effort. That's okay. Understand that all of us, we're on this journey. It's not just automatic. It's not like every time that I go to pray, even though I'm a pastor, it's not like every time I'm like, well, Lord, what should I do today? And the Lord's like, oh, I'm glad you asked. At 8.05, I want you to go over. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that kind of, kind of connection. But that's all right. Like, you're relating to something that is completely different. So if it's hard to understand sometimes kid-to-parent relationships, husband-wife relationships, then understand that it's going to take effort, it's going to take some intentionality and kind of methodically trying to understand that, that God. So Jesus himself embodied God for us because he was the son of God, God and human flesh together. And when he interacted with people, he was incredibly, totally loving, which was consistent with what God has revealed again and again and again about who God is and what God's character is like. God is love. Would you repeat that after me? God is love. God is love. In him there is no darkness. He's the light of the world. Jesus embodied that. We got to see what that looked like. So when little kids were around, he wasn't like, get away, kids. He's like, no, 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 come to me, come to me. Like, I care about you. When somebody was really hurting or when they were, had been caught in some horrible sin, he was like, look, I'm going to lead with compassion. I'm going to lead with forgiveness. Now, it's up to you to, to accept that, but, but God is loving trying to, to have that good relationship with us. The scripture declares God is love. And then John writes, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And we're talking about compassion. We're talking about caring about people. We're talking about that kind of, that kind of deep compassion. God is like that. So when we pray or we read the Bible and we're trying to figure things out, understand the baseline is that being that we are struggling to understand is love, is loving us, is trying to help us. So start with that kind of baseline because it may be that God, when God was spoken of in your home, it was not a good thing, right? Or, or maybe they, they had this kind of idea of God that was really, really ugly or, or really mean. And so we just kind of want to kind of come back to the idea of how did Jesus live 
And what does the scripture kind of declare that God is like? And let's start there. So then if you're, you're thinking about, okay, so how do I live a life where I'm going to connect with God really, really well? Well, the idea that Jesus lived out and that early Christians kind of followed was that daily we would on our own kind of pray and we would have an encounter with God through the Bible. And we're going to talk about those things today with the, with the understanding that it's not always easy, but that God is loving in the midst of it. We're connecting with a, a loving, loving God. So the DNA, the code, the way in which we live as, as followers of Jesus, we're, we're being very intentional to say we're going to love God, we're going to love people, we're going to do no evil, we're at least avoid it to the best that we possibly can, we're going to do all the good that we can, we're going to meet with other people, but now we're looking at daily, what do I do? I pray to God, and I try to encounter God through the scripture in some way, shape, or form. If it were easy, the early disciples would not have asked this question. Now think about this for a second. A couple thousand years ago, Jesus is walking and talking, and he's, he's God in human form in the flesh. He's the Son of God. There he is. So these disciples are Jewish, which means that they were taught how to pray. They, they memorized prayers. They were living in, in the Jewish state of Israel. They, they, they would have known prayers, and now they're around Jesus, who's connecting them with God in this powerful way. And even those, those disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray. They realized that there was some, some more depth or, or some help that Jesus could help them with. You think about that. Like, sometimes I've known people who are receiving from God different messages, and I'm like, well, I want that. I want that more. So help me to understand. How do you, how do, you do that? How do you connect with God where you're, you're really kind of understanding life from God's perspective? And so the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And some of you longtime Christians, you know kind of how, how Jesus then started. But did you ever think about why did, why did Jesus say, okay, I'll help teach you? He didn't turn around and say, you disciples, you're idiots. Like, why are you even asking? You know, you already know how to pray. It's stupid. It's simple. No, Jesus was like, look, I get it. You understand that you need something. You need me to help you to learn how to pray. So he's like, okay, start this way. Our Father in heaven. Some, some translations and some manuscripts, they, they just have like Abba, Father, Dad, our Father, our eternal parent. Now, some of us may have had a really mean dad or an absent dad, and so now we have to really engage our imagination and say, okay, what would it be like for there to be a God that is a parent but is actually loving and compassionate, who is not absentee but is always right there? What would that be like? And if there is such a God, then let me directly talk to God. Maybe in the morning, maybe in the evening, maybe in the middle of the day, whatever. I'm gonna, but I'm going to talk directly to God, that there is a personal God that I can talk directly to, not just a force. You can meditate and just kind of clear your mind, and that can bring some health benefits, but we're taking another step to then say, no, I'm also communicating directly with a person that loves me. In the midst of that then, he goes, okay, start that way and understand then, hallowed be your name. Now, I know it's a good translation, but when was the last time that you used the word hallowed? Right? It's like when my kids come down for breakfast and they're like, oh, Father, hallowed be your name, Dad. Right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, we don't usually use that word, right? Um, maybe with, like, quoting President Lincoln back in the day because he used the word. Or maybe, maybe when you pray the Lord's Prayer. So what in the world are we doing? We're humbling ourselves and we're saying, 
you, God, I respect you, I revere you, and, um, and I understand that I'm not just talking to a buddy, and I'm not talking to somebody I can manipulate, I'm not talking to somebody that I'm going to try to convince, like, I know that you are God and I am not. Remember, some, sometimes when Jesus would talk about this, he'd say, our Father in heaven, which means, okay, yes, God is really, really close, but you better respect the fact that God created the whole universe. And if he didn't want you to exist, he could just, and you would just disintegrate, right? Like, understand that we, we're in this relationship. Yes, God loves us, but at the same time, we're, we're humbling ourselves because we know he could destroy us if he wanted to. But instead, he's going to listen and God's going to interact with us. And what was the next thing? Some of you know, your kingdom come. Now, that's a countercultural statement. We want God's kingdom. And yet, we're taught again and again and again how to have our kingdom, how to have power over our money, how to influence other people, how to manipulate sometimes things. If you're figuring out where you're going to live, you think, well, I want to live where there's a good school system and where the return on investment is high. <laughs> a buddy of mine was telling me that. Like, I have two criteria. That's the way I start my search for, for a home. I'm like, is it a good school system and a good return on investment? And I thought, okay, that's really, really smart, and I think those are good questions. But the first question ought to be, I want God's will to be done. I want his influence. I want to be influenced by God. And so God may lead you to be in a place that maybe doesn't make rational sense, but yet God is leading you right there. Then you start engaging your reason and you start kind of looking at things with that perspective. God first, I want your kingdom to come. I want it even in this worship service. Then Jesus teaches us to pray, give us each day our daily bread. And you're like, but, oh, shoot, I can't pray that because I'm gluten-free. <laughs> Dang, I can't even say the Lord's Prayer. It's hard enough to buy things at the store, right? And you're like, well, wait a second, you know, like, let's do some biblical interpretation. He's talking about provision, right? And at the same time, it's like, what? You know, my financial manager says I need to worry about not just like on my daily bread, but I need to have 30 years of retirement money because we're living longer and I've got to save and save and save and I've just got to fret and I've got to worry about all this stuff because nobody else is looking after me. I've got to look after myself and it just becomes this really crazy thing that can just sink us. Jesus is like, time out. Look, you don't even know what tomorrow brings. Let's just kind of understand that God cares about us right here, right now, and God's going to try to provide for us right here and right now. So daily you come back and you say, okay, God, provide for me again. I am going to be smart. I'm going to plan. I'm going to save those types of things. Fine. But my baseline is understanding I don't know the future. God does. So God, I want what you want for me right this minute. Just, just daily, daily. And then the, the easy part of the Lord's Prayer, right? You know this. <laughs> forgive us our sins. And Luke is really, really specific here. You know, he's just like, you know, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Easy. I probably don't even need to talk about it, right? You're like, I do that. Somebody really hurts me. I'm like, ah, I forgive you. I don't hold any grudges. I've had people tell me that it's good that I have three boys instead of three girls because girls hold longer grudges. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> now but we all struggle with this right we all struggle with this so again Jesus teaching us to pray if it was easy he wouldn't have to teach us but he teaches us look as you revere God and you're just asking for for the basic necessities and stuff and just starting there you can pray for other things fine that's great but start here start centering in on 
okay, God, I'm going to forgive other people. It's not going to be easy. And God's like, well, look, I'm in the miracle business. I will help you to forgive. I'll help you to let it go. Yes, you may still protect yourself. You may not want to be around that abuser anymore. That's fine, but we're talking about just kind of deeply spiritually. Forgive, forgive. And, and occasionally God has brought to my mind this image. Nathan, what if, what if as you approached heaven and you're coming to the pearly gates, I don't know what that's going to look like, but you get the idea, you know? Like, Nathan, if you're in heaven, but had not yet come completely in, so I'm dead, here I am, I'm, I'm presented with this, this existence of eternal life. Nathan, what if the three people that hurt you and your family the worst have been forgiven? They found Jesus, they've been forgiven. Nathan, if I have forgiven them, and it's conditional that you must forgive them to come into heaven, will you have forgiven them already in your heart so that when presented with this heaven, where these people's lives have been changed, they've been forgiven, they, you know, but they did hurt you deeply, Nathan. Will you have forgiven them to where you'll still want to be in heaven? Or will you still be holding such a grudge that you're like, nah, I'll burn in hell before I go hang out with those people? Does that make sense? Like, you see where we're going with this, right? Jesus makes deep, deep sense. Like, he was way smarter than we realize. He's saying, look, routinely, if you're in the habit of forgiving people, that's pretty much the only way that you're going to want Jesus' eternal life. Because he's like, in, in eternal life, you're not going to get to hold grudges anymore. Like, you've got to let that stuff go. Because if we're forgiven in eternal life, if those people have turned over their heart to the Lord and said, look, I, I truly am sorry, then in heaven, we're in this state where we've all forgiven each other. Now, hold that thought as you think about this, whoops, I'm sorry, this idea of your kingdom come, okay? Your kingdom come now. Well, heaven is going to be like this perfect kingdom of God where the influence of God reigns entirely. So doesn't it make sense then that Jesus, when he was teaching us how to pray, said, forgive us, Lord, as we forgive others their sins. Because now we'll get to taste what that heaven is going to be like for eternity. See how it fits together? Like, I, I'm blown away. Blown away by that idea. And then he says, lead us not into temptation. And in Luke chapter 11, that's the end of the Lord's prayer. And you're like, wait a second. I thought there was more to it. And, and there is in other places and stuff. But here, he's like, look, just end with his prayer. <laughs> lead us not into temptation. Now, maybe some of us here right now, we need that, right? Because we're like, man, I keep putting myself in temptation's path all the time. I know I shouldn't be over there, and then I go over there. I know I shouldn't hang with that person, but I hang with them anyway. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 Jesus is like, look, I want my kingdom to be more in your life now, like it will be in eternity. So that means that it, there are places that you shouldn't go, or things that you shouldn't do, right? And just kind of sort it out. So God, lead me not in temptation. Help me to be able to avoid it. Now, in the midst of all that, let's talk about a couple of different um, ways that we can go to extremes. In this situation, um, we got to not go to these extremes of prayer, all right? I'll talk about them, and then I'll do a little exercise with you. Um, all right. so, so here we go. So one extreme on this side, God does whatever you want as long as you have enough faith. Could I proof text that? Could I put up? There's a part of the Bible that's like, if you believe in your heart and you don't doubt, it will be done for you. Oh, fantastic. Well, fine, man. As long as I believe enough, then God's just going to do that. 
And there are parts of the Bible that if you just take those little parts, you can go to an extreme. And then if God has not answered your prayer, you're going to feel really guilty. You're going to be like, well, wait a second. Maybe I didn't believe enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe God's punishing me for what I did last week by not answering my prayer for my grandma this week. Like, man. And other people, they're like, I'm praying and God's answering and doing exactly what I want. And then you can get really superior and be like, wow, I have power over God because whatever I tell God to do, God does it. Oh, he's like a genie. Oh, I found, you see that extreme, right? But there are other parts of the Bible where like, say, Job prayed for his kids and then they died. And yet it says that he was the righteous guy around. Well, how can that be? The apostle Paul prayed, Lord, take this thorn of the flesh from me. And he prayed that three times. And God's answers were in this order. No. Oh, Lord, take this thorn in the flesh away from me. No. Oh, God, please relieve this thorn in the flesh from me. I'm a really good guy. I'm writing some of the Bible. No. See how this works. So then the other extreme can be that when God starts telling you, no, I'm not going to do it that way. And you say, well, maybe there's no God. Or maybe God doesn't answer prayer. So I'm just, gonna, I'm just on my own. I'm just going to have to live my own way. Does that make sense? It's like I was with a lady who was dying, and she was the, one of the most godly women that I've known. She's amazing, amazing woman. She really helped people in the church. She helped her family. Um, and she was in a lot of pain. And I was like, oh, Jesus, take this pain away from her. Help her, help her, Lord. And I'm like, I'm a holy guy, and I'm a pastor. This is going to work. The pain is just going to go away. And I prayed and prayed, and it didn't go away. And it got worse, and then she died. As I look at it now, I realize that God was using her for me, and especially for her son who needed to see this, that she wouldn't turn her back on God even when the pain was bad. You know what I mean? Like, everybody can go with God as long as they're getting their own way. But in this case... He and I, I think, needed to see that she's like, no matter how bad it gets, I'm still not turning my my back on Jesus. I'm just not. Now, that wasn't what I was praying for. And it took me some time to kind of process that and be like, well, wait, was I not holy enough? Did I not pray the right way? Did I not get enough people to pray for her? And God's like, look, sometimes you can do all the right things, but there's also the fact that God knows best and God's going to answer in God's way. So you see how you kind of have to hold both of those things together and balance it out, right? And that's tough. There are times when I'm tempted to say, I would be a better God than God is. Let me explain. That sounds, that sounds blasphemous, right? But see if you haven't thought about it this way. I would be a better God than God would be because that dear lady needed comfort. She needed the, the pain to, be go, to go away, right? I know better than God, so I would have made the pain go away. Make sense? When I broke my collarbone because in a soccer game, somebody, you know, ducked in front of me. You don't duck in soccer. What are you doing? And I flew over top of them, broke my collarbone. I have to wear this thing, you know, you know, and you can get made fun of when you're wearing something that pulls your, your chest back like this, right? You know, it's like, well, wait, if I were a good God, I would have prevented that kind of pain, right? Because Nathan's a good guy. I would have prevented that. I would have prevented the abuse that some of you went through. And I would have come to that abuser and I would have either killed them or I would have at least made them be nice, right? Now you see what I would have to do if I were God to make all these things happen, right? I'd have to override this person's free will. I'd have to override this person. I'd have to make this person do something. I'd have to make this person do something else. And all of a sudden, who's a tyrant? 
I am, right? In order for me to be a God, I know that's what would happen. And if we would not have a good world, we'd have my, my tyrancy, right? I would, I would just be. And so I have to step back and say, wait a second. When things happen that I don't understand, I've got to, I've got to come back to that middle and understand, yes, I need to pray. And sometimes God is just going to do amazing miracles in my life. And I bet in our next service, I bet that's going to happen. And at the same time, sometimes the miracle is going to be accepting the fact that God has said, no, I know best, and it makes no sense to you, but you've got to trust me because ah, I've done thought stuff like create the entire world. You know you can trust me. You know I'm better than you. You know that, Nathan. And so I have to come back and balance that out. So would you stand just for a second? If, if, you, if, you, if you're good enough and, you know, to be able to stand right now, if, it, if you're like, no, that's going to break my knees or I'm going to fall over, or Nathan, I'm not even sober yet, <laughs> go ahead and stay seated. Oh, no, I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I know, Ohio State game yesterday. Some of you were watching it, right? I know. So would you mind just kind of trying to stand on one foot for just a second? <laughs> I know some of you are like, no. That's fine. That just proved how hard balance is right? And some of us are having to grab a couple of things, you know, kind of right and left, right? Yeah, some of you are like, I'm not trying one foot. I don't care. I don't care. Well, that's fine, but just understand this is the point that we're making in prayer. It's going to be easier to go to one extreme or the other. It's going to be easier to say, I'm just not worried about praying very much. I'm just going to come over here because I just don't think that God answers prayer, or I'm not a good prayer, so I'm just not going to pray much. Or to say, oh, I think if I just believe enough, I can tell God what to do, and I'm just going to name it and claim it because it worked twice, so it's going to work the whole rest of my life, and I'm just going to, I'm going to make people feel bad if their prayers aren't answered, and when somebody's like, oh, I just lost a baby, I'm going to tell them, well, God doesn't love you as much, or that, uh, you know what, you just didn't pray enough. And some Christians go to that extreme, right? Because they're uncomfortable balancing it, realizing, you know what? Pray with faith and God will do miracles. But sometimes the miracle is for us to accept the fact that God knows best and God's not taking our advice and God's going to do what God wants to do. You've got to balance it. And the more you work at balancing it, the better you get. I'm doing better than I thought that I would do staying on one foot, right? <laughs> but I've played a ton of sports, you know, and I've worked on that. And sometimes I, I could do that and sometimes I couldn't, Right? So you just kind of relax, and now you can be seated, okay? As we're seated, this is a posture of prayer many times, to relax in God's presence and understand God has got it. God knows best, and as we call upon the Lord, God will interact with us and lead us and guide us in powerful, powerful, powerful ways. Now, why then do we interact with the Bible? And notice I'm calling it like an encounter. I read the Bible so that I can pray better. Let me say that again. I read the Bible and encounter God through the Bible so that I can pray better. What am I talking about? I'm talking about this is not just for history and it's not just for information and it's not just to tell you what you're doing, good or wrong. It's to help us to have a relationship with God because that's what the kingdom of God is always going to be like. We're living in a relationship with God and with a relationship with each other where we love God and love people forever and ever. That's where we're trying to get to. So we can taste it now as we read the lives of other people that interacted with God. 
And a lot of them will make you feel really good about yourself because at least you're not being as stupid as some of these people were. You know what I mean? Like if you live your whole, whole life and you were faithful to your spouse and you loved them and you try to care for your kids like God would love them, like you're in the top like 1% of humanity. Like pat yourself on the back. Yeah, life is hard, but you're doing something great. Some of these Old Testament characters didn't even come close to that. David certainly didn't, and he was like king of Israel, right? So you're reading this trying to understand, God, what are you like? How do I interact with you? How do I live your way? And some of you are living on generations of people loving the Lord, and that's why just kind of intuitively you're starting to understand, oh, I shouldn't beat my kid, or oh, I shouldn't cheat on that test. And you're like, where did I get that? I don't know. Well, great-grandma was living out her life with her nose in the Bible, trying to learn from the Lord, and then she was trying to raise her kid. You know, I don't, maybe that's what was your situation, right? So you're trying to have a daily encounter with God. When should you read the Bible and pray? When should you do it? Here's what I would offer to you. Think about if you were having a daily appointment with the most smart person in the world who is the best advisor that you could ever have an appointment with, what time of day would you have that appointment? You know what I mean? And for me, I'd like to have breakfast with that person, right? Because I'm, I'm ready, I'm a little more creative, and I'm, I'm on point, and I really like breakfast. Right? Maybe you're more of a lunch person. You're like, I'm not early morning, and I go to bed early at night, but at lunch, man, I am on point, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and read my Bible then. Maybe it's late at night when all the kids are in bed or something, or maybe right, you know, as you finish your homework and you think, okay, now I'm going to really focus in on the Lord. Why am I reading the Bible? To try to connect with God better, to help me to be able to pray better. I'm trying to hear from the Lord. That's kind of a picture of Jesus trying to breathe through the scripture. You know, God kind of inspires some writing, and then you try to read it, trying to connect with the Lord. How do, what kind of help could you get? Well, some of us receive emails or, or direct messages. Some of us get that off of a Bible app where it shoots it there, you know, kind of every day. This morning when I looked at the, the verse that came from my Bible app, it was, be perfect as God is perfect. And I was like, dang, give me a break. Like, are you kidding me? But that's in the scripture, and it was a good reminder. I've got to love my enemies. I've got to love other people. I've got to love like God does. It set the tone for the day. Some devotional books. Which devotional book is the best? I don't know, whichever one God leads you to, right? Where you read a scripture and then you read what people have written about with that scripture. Or maybe you get a study Bible. Or online, you know, you, you look at study Bible kind of sites and you're really understanding who said it, where were they, where is this on the map, when did this happen, why did it say. But remember, you're not just reading for information, you're reading for relationship. Trying to connect with that God who's trying to guide you and help you to understand. It's going to take effort. It's not easy. The Old Testament people got it wrong at one point. The Pharisees, they knew the Bible inside and out as information and as law, but they were missing the fact that it was about this relationship then with God through Jesus. And Jesus said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. The Bible is meant to help us to have a relationship with God. Lead us to Jesus who lived for you, died for you, rose from the dead, and now sends his Holy Spirit to meet with you wherever you are. That's the point. And it's hard to understand sometimes. And you look at it and say, God, what in the world? And you understand sometimes this is recording what people did thinking they were doing right, and then God had to correct them. So not everything in here is, is for you to do, right? Like, there's some horrible stuff that some people did. And so you have to look then and say, okay, 
God, what was it then that you were teaching them? Oh, you were teaching them not to do that. I, for, I should have turned the page. <laughs> oh, okay. God's helping us to understand. That's why you pray. That's why you interact with the Bible. The bottom right, to know and to share God's love, right? You've got that relationship with God. God is love. God is love. God is what? God is love. This memory verse we keep coming back to because it reminds us to stay unified with God and with each other will take effort every day. You're going to have to give the effort, but man, is it worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Let's read this together together. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Amen. As I pray, we're going to have some people come forward in prayer stations. If you're like, okay, this reminds me of something that I need help with or somebody to pray with me about, then you come and pray with them. Let's pray. God, some of us just need to be seated in your presence for a moment and be reminded of what you're doing and what you're teaching us. And so we're listening, we're committing to you. If there are others that say, no, I'm being propelled by God's spirit to go and receive some, some prayer from some of these people, then God, help them to have courage to just come forward and pray. If they need to stay here throughout the rest of the song and the service, then that's fine, God. Bless them and what they're doing. For the prayer requests that are written on the prayer cards, Lord, we pray for them. And we do so in a context of saying, hallowed be you, your name, your power, your glory. Empowered be you. You are the one that loves us, redeems us, saves us, and helps us. So God, as we present ourselves humbly before you, remind us of what you've been telling us throughout this message and throughout the service and throughout the songs. Bring it back to mind. Move in our hearts as we continue to pray to you, even through song. In Jesus' name, amen.